I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as usual, now I can say that with some authority, as usual, <laughs> joining me in the cockpit of this magnificent airplane uh, for yet another episode is co-pilot, uh, but a guy I trust the controls with. Awesome. You know him as Austin Ward. Awesome Ward, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Good to be back. We're finally back in that weekly routine of in the season and rhythm and a flow. And now we just need uh, Ohio State to find their own. Well, you know what? We're going to quickly jump to V1 and rotate on this flight uh, because it's time to get into the air and, and get a few things uh, sorted out, including I have a guest uh, again this week, uh, Brad Browning, former Ohio State offensive lineman of Summer Plume, uh, played a little bit in the NFL, you know, now has a, a burgeoning, uh, as I call it, a burgeoning barbecue empire uh, with uh, Chimdi Chekwa, former teammate and uh, former Buckeye, former Ohio State football player. They're always Buckeyes. But uh, bottom line is I'm going to get into you know a conversation with him uh, where we discuss the offensive line play a lot and a lot of other things about the way Ohio State played on uh, Saturday, uh, sort of the, uh, I don't know, what thoughts he has going forward for this football team, et cetera. Before we get to that, just, you know, I just want to get your general opinion right now the jury is clearly out. I think it even reflects in the polls right now. Ohio State gets a 21-point win, yeah, over a winless team, a, a team that's better than I think a lot of people think. We talked about that in our rapid react on Saturday after that game. Nevertheless, 41-20 to 20 win over a team, and either stood pat or even dropped in the coaches' poll uh, to 12th or number 10 in the AP poll. But uh, that just tells you, going back to my original uh, thought there, the jury is out on this team for sure at the moment, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's nice now to have about 48 hours or so to think about what we saw. I mean, leaving the horseshoe on Saturday and what we were talking about in rapid reaction with uh, you and, and Spencer and Berm. I mean, that was I guess I've just been really confused about what I've seen. Yeah, you were a little you were a little <laughs> you were a little bummed is, is the right term, because it's like, yeah, I think but it's not. I, it's, it's no, not but bummed. It's, no, not bummed as in, oh, oh. What, I mean, it was more of you haven't really seen what you thought you were going to see to this point. Yeah. I, I mean, that was, by my standards, being bummed out. And I don't usually get that way because I love what I do. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but the reason that it fits is because I generally feel like and have felt like for the last 10 years that even when Ohio State loses, I understand why. I understand what I'm seeing. I have a good feel for the decisions that are made. Yeah. And right now with this team, in terms of coaching decisions, personnel, uh, energy, effort, the things that they're doing, I don't. they don't match what I expect to see or what I've been told or heard or any of that stuff. And I know that, you know, I take a lot of pride, as you do, ha have for a very long time, in being, uh, you know, an expert, quote unquote, about what's happening and being able to describe it and keep people informed about the Buckeyes. And I don't know that 
I'm doing a good job of that because I'm so confused about what I'm seeing. And that part frustrates me because I'd like to be able to at least, if things go wrong for Ohio State, explain why. And right now, I don't feel like I have a good uh, grasp on why that is. I think Craig Krenzel is looking, you know, always on the lookout for somebody who wants to sell insurance for his insurance company. <laughs> so you can jump into that fray. And, no, you know, I'll get, I'm going to get I'll get it back. Don't worry about that. Dude, dude, though, I mean, you look around the country right now. It's even with Alabama. Alabama ekes out a two-point uh, victory right. at Florida. Yeah, Florida, you know, one of the teams you expect a challenge for that Big Ten East champ – or excuse me. <laughs> what was that a faux pas? Uh, SEC East championship, and Alabama goes in there and in the second half struggled in that game. You know, after getting a pretty decent lead, you look at uh, Minnesota – clobbering, in my opinion, Colorado, a team that uh, took Texas A&M to the wire uh, a, a week before or two weeks before. Uh, you know, there are all okay. kinds of confusing smoke okay. signals out there about this. I think the main thing that stood out to me about Ohio State, and we'll get in more detail after my, inter- after my interview with uh, Brad Browning, but one of the things that stood out to me, though, about Ohio State is we talked about this in that rapid reaction. That's why I stood on this platform. Uh Ryan Day was bound to determine they were going to run the ball better. What happens? Travion Henderson sets the school single-game record uh, rushing uh, 277 yards for a freshman, beats two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin's former record of 239. They rushed for over 300 yards, check mark, and he vowed they would be better against the run because what was glaring was how poor they were against the run the first two weeks, and uh, one of which cost them – dearly against Oregon check mark. I thought they were better against the run. Were they playing, uh, you know, a great team? No. Were they playing a credible team? I truly believe that we'll stand by that based on the way Oklahoma state, uh, uh, Tulsa played Oklahoma state at Oklahoma state. Yes, but not a great team, but they definitely got some check marks done. We're going to come back and talk about the, where the other check marks need to come. And a couple of plays that really made that game more of a game than maybe it needed to be. Uh, one way or the other, if you follow my drift on that one. But you know what? Uh, do you want to say anything yet before I get into my Brown Browning uh, no, get, interview? Get into it. Let me. Yeah. I was going to say because if you if we if we get our bottle tea started, man, with that crank, you know, <laughs> we're going to keep going. Hey, let's get just first of my little interview here with uh, Brad Browning. I mean, really, we we really went in depth. It lasted a little while, so uh, buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your meals, both in coach and first class. We try to be good across the board. But uh, here's my uh, talk with Brad Browning, former Ohio State offensive lineman, former NFL lineman, and now running his own barbecue business uh, in in Columbus, uh, three locations. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I, I love these blasts from the past. He's not really a blast from the past. He's hanging out uh, all corrupt. But uh, Brad Browning, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Glad to be here. Heck yeah, man. It's always good to hook up, man. And especially a guy who's paying attention. I like to say, you know, you are you got a little bit of a, I think, media career kind of growing right now. You're on a <laughs> spectrum uh, uh, spectrum show, I think, after the Ohio State game versus versus. Uh, Oh heck, heck! Who do they play versus Tulsa on Saturday? You got to you got to kind of analyze it a little bit, and I wanted to you know obviously I was lining you up to analyze it for me, and then of course you and Chimdi Check will have that little entrepreneurial thing going with the not little uh, the Pit BBQ Grill, and uh, it's the Pit BBQ Grill, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, got three locations now on uh, on Parsons Avenue and Clinton, and also in Clintonville and up in Bridge Park that burgeoning. 
Bridge Park area. Burgeoning is yeah. one of my favorite words. It's a good word. It's a good yeah. word. Hey, man, I've always liked your first name, Bryant, because, you know, I grew up being an Alabama fan way back in the early 60s, and they had a coach there named Bear Bryant. You ever hear Bear of him? Bear Bryant. Yeah, yeah, heard of him. I think he was pretty good. I think. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Just past people down in Alabama now. They only remember two coaches: Bear Bryant, and Nick Saban. They forget about all these other guys. And, well, you know, Gene Stallings. But that's another story. Hey, I want yeah. to jump right into it, man. Uh, you know, this is a team, Ohio, an Ohio State team. By now, everybody's already sort of digested the game versus Tulsa. They've they've indigested the game versus Oregon. Uh, what's just your you know, just an immediate take on where this team – it's a – it's a. am I'm, I'm kind of filling in the blanks for you before you start talking, but it's a, obviously <laughs> still a very young team. First-year starting quarterback. He's only played three games so far. If you watched on Saturday, as you did, n- not just young, really young faces on the defensive side now who appear to be more and more uh, perhaps the guys they're going to go with as this goes on. But how would you summarize this to people on where this team is at the moment in its uh, – in its evolution. Yeah, I, I would like to say, Tim, I mean, like you say, I, Coach Day said after the game, I think we all know it. It's a very young team. But I feel like the talent is there. Um, at Ohio State, every year the expectations is high, right? So every yeah. year we're looking at, hey, we want to be in that playoff conversation. We want to win a national championship because we all know that the talent is there. So when I watch those guys on the field, I believe it. I, I agree. The talent is there. It's just uh, now it's just about the team just kind of gelling together, uh, figuring out things as in, you know, being able to make those plays when they come out on Saturday. Um, I feel like overall, when I watch our defense, I would like to see them just be more aggressive. Um, I feel like a lot of times we're, they're playing real tentative. Uh, we're playing either a soft zone or if we're playing some type of man, you know, we have our guys – you know, really backed off the line, and you're seeing a third down that guys are in the first half against Tulsa, and especially Oregon, the whole game, guys are getting first downs, and there's no one around. Like, this, yeah. this is like it's almost like pitch and catch. And then we come up and make a tackle, but it's like we would obviously would love to get off the field right here, but it looks like consistently over and over, there's just a lot of space around these receivers. Um, but then also, it's Oregon, you know, essentially, I, I don't very little blitzing, you know, very little. You know, anything very creative was just our front four versus their guys. Yeah. And obviously our front four didn't really create too much pressure. So this week, we did some changing up. We start bringing some pressure and things of that nature. But now it looks like the defense got to get more comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I watched I watched Penn State play Auburn last night. Um, I don't know if you caught that game or not. Yes. But um, Penn State defense, like, you could tell that they're accustomed to flying. Like, when it's time for a blitz package, those guys are just running in there, just looking to disrupt. I mean, just head on fire. They're going. And right now, you don't really see that from Ohio State when you look at their defense. But it, I think it will come. Um, it's still early in the season. Like, I think, you know, we had some injuries. We got guys probably playing a little bit more than they thought they was going to play coming into the season. Hmm. So they're young, and I think they will, they will get it. They go, they're going to get it together, and we're going to have a good season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, anybody can see the talent, like you just said. I mean, and – like you said, guys playing together and sometimes not together, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for the first time and stuff. And and I thought yesterday, as we talk, as we record this, I thought against Tulsa, uh, like you said, there was more aggression there. It, it was almost again like against Oregon, they got uh, more conservative, more. I'm not going to say uh, scared is not the right term, but I'm yeah. I'm talking about from a defensive call standpoint and everything else. 
uh, it was literally, you know, just try to hang on, you know what I mean? As mm-hmm. opposed yes, to, yes. I thought they took the fight to Tulsa to a certain extent and paid mm-hmm. for it a few times. And yeah, they still had some mix-ups in the secondary, yeah, a right. couple that cost them a couple of touchdowns, but you know, anybody watching that Thursday night game on the, in the NFL, you see guys suddenly running wide open. It happens yeah. at every level. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think there was more aggression against Tulsa. And I think it's only going to ramp up. You know, obviously they got Akron this week. They're going to be a prohibitive favorite against those guys. I want to get get with you on this though. Uh, could you watch that game against Tulsa and not notice Dewan Jones number seventy nine? <laughs> he folded over. I mean, that was a. I really like the way Tulsa plays defense. I'm talking about they just came after you. They're in a yeah. three three five. They're shooting. They're shooting at you from all kinds of different angles. Three guys up front, and then all of a sudden there's five guys in your face kind of deal. C.J. Stroud had to deal with that and stuff. But uh, I thought a guy who really stood out yeah. and helped Travion Henderson break Archie Griffin's 49-year record for <laughs> single-game rushing by a running back, a freshman running back at Ohio State, uh, what, a, what a performance that was. But I thought Dewan yeah. Jones, oh, my goodness, he yeah. was – finally he was collapsing. What, what was it like to watch an offensive lineman sort of in his element? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I think all pretty much all season. I feel like the offensive line has been pretty pr- playing really well. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Mumford went down early yesterday, and I was like, okay, let's see what this is going to look like. Uh. But the backup stepped right in and really didn't miss a beat. Yeah, Matt um, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of procedure, couple of things kind of going on, but overall, really strong performance. And like you say, uh, Jones. I mean, this. I mean, dominating performance. I recall one play, I think it was uh, third quarter, we was driving, uh, with CJ hit a, a rollout pass, and we had a couple of passes down the goal line, and then we ran down the goal line, and Jones just completely flattened his guy. I mean, just complete, it's like a, things kind of like a down block type of angle he's going, and he just straight buries this guy, touchdown right off his butt, right into the end zone, and... Yeah. Overall, I, I think he's, he's playing really well. Uh, obviously, whereas off the lineman, sometimes you miss, right? Sometimes you just want to, you know, miss your guy and maybe your guy make a play here or there. But, you know, over consistently, you just want to see these guys get on the people and dominate. And I feel like that's what we're seeing. Jones is really locking down guys. Um, I believe they said it in the, in the uh, fall camp, but no one is running around him. No one definitely is running through him. And that's what you see. Like, you know, he's protecting that edge uh, when it comes to the passing downs, when it comes to the run. He's locking on to guys. He's finishing blocks. And it's, it's just really exciting to see. I mean, he's on his way. He's on his path to being just like a household name, you know, like some of the other offers alignment grace from Ohio State. Because, I mean, he's really performing. And I, I believe that he would just keep going on this trajectory. I mean, he's, from what I understand, his work habit has changed completely. The way he's doing things has just complete, changed completely. And it's showing. It's really showing for a big man like that to be on and focused and locked on. This excited to see, and it's really excited just to see his career and how it's going to just keep going on and projecting up from there. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I mean, you were, you still are. You were a big man, you know, when you played on the offensive line at Ohio State. But to see a guy who's four or five inches taller than you, and what was your biggest? What was your best weight uh, in when you were at Ohio State, for example? Uh, if playing well, so I, I had some days I was bigger, but I was, yeah. I was younger and and had we call this called baby fat. More. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I was actually playing like a good playing weight for myself, it was probably around the 320, 320 yeah. range or so, three fifteen, three twenty range. 
Um, but I know with John, I mean, I think he's out there when he's probably like 370. In the, yeah, in the 70, yeah. 6'9. The guy that could just move like that. I, I, I don't think I could move like that on my best day. Yeah. <laughs> the way he moves at, at 6'9, 370. So, I mean, it's really impressive to see when you just look at his physique, uh, the muscle that he carries um, at that size and the way he moves is, is like I say, it's just really exciting. Yeah, it is hard. It, I would think it's hard for you to believe that you would be a peewee next to that guy. You know what I mean? Because you are a big man uh, yeah, by any yeah. by any measure. You're a big man. But uh, but that's what I want to get to. You know, Brian, you know, one of the things that Coach Day emphasized the week before was obviously they didn't run the ball like they wanted to against Oregon. They, they got away from it after that big run kind of flipped the script to start the second half. They're two touchdowns down. Right. You don't come out and just try to flatten them because you got to make up make up points. And then uh, his emphasis was they want to run the ball better and they definitely wanted to stop the run, which Oregon had great success on. And it's funny if you look at the stats and just the way that game went on Saturday against Tulsa, they got both of those duns in a big way. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of are who you kind of are what you emphasize, right? Sometimes (laughs) from one week to the next and the passing game left a little to be desired against Tulsa. As you well know, Chris Olave didn't have a catch in that game, which was interesting. Uh, they did get some big passes when they needed it. But when Ryan Day and his coaching staff kind of like emphasized certain things, a young team sort of re- responded to that, right? I mean, it's kind of like yeah. telling your kid to <laughs> clean his room, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. I mean, and that's what you want to see out of a young team, right? You want to see that they're taking on coaching. If there's a point of emphasis to do something better, you do it. So that that's always important to see. Uh, <laughs> When you look at C.J. Stroud right now, like I said, you've seen a lot of football. You've been in the NFL. You saw quarterbacks in the NFL and uh, obviously quarterbacks at Ohio State. I think you played with a guy named Terrell Pryor. Do I remember that name correctly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know I'm messing with you. You know I'm messing with you. Uh, you're from the home of a Heisman Trophy winner named Troy Smith, Cleveland Glenville. Uh, uh, when you see Stroud, when you watch C.J. on Saturday against Tulsa, what stood out good about him? Well, what, what what were you concerned with? I mean, give give me a couple of answers there in one if you follow my drift. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, what I was what I really like to see out of CJ, and I feel like he does a great job, is that he stay composed, right? I mean, even you know if, if something's not going his way, that obviously Saturday, you know, his completions wasn't like they were the first two weeks, right? He wasn't uh, hitting on some of those big throws. You know, you never see him just kind of going to a tank or start to panic. A lot of times I feel like with young quarterbacks, you know, they kind of start pressing. You know, they, they, the ball gets start, start to hold the ball too long, trying to make the perfect throw, um, and trying to, you know, just basically just do too much. And then that kind of really affects things when it comes to protections. And if the protections collapses, and now it's a you know, chance for turnovers, fumbles, and things like that in the pocket. So what I like to see seeing out of CJ, I mean, it's like he kept – he was missing, but he kept getting the ball to the right direction, right? So the ball was supposed to go to this man on the out route. He got the ball on the out route. Maybe he missed, maybe not. The ball was going to a deep over route. He got the ball out of time. Maybe he missed, but the ball was going in the right direction. So I think that was what you like to see. I think after the game, um, they kind of went over how that, that defense, they kind of set a lot of guys back. So it was just, you know, it's tighter windows to make passes. Yeah, um, he did have the, the one interception um, early, you know, in the first half. And, you know, those happen. So, you know, no big deal there. I think overall, though, when you kind of look at the picture, I say, I guess you would like to see him be more accurate. You know, uh, when you start looking at balls that are high or incomplete in the middle, 
we know against um, a better defense, those could come to tip balls, and the tip ball is an easy interception when it comes to safety. So, um, you know, obviously, as a quarterback, you want him to protect the ball. You want, you know, to be able to control the offense. Um, and how, like old coaches say, you want to end each drive with a kick, right? You want to end each drive with a punt, field goal, extra point, end the drive with a kick. Uh, so um, that's, you know, I guess, you know, one one turnover is not the end of the world. Um, but I guess, you know, projecting in the future, you know, some of those missed throws, high throws and things of that nature can lead to tip balls, which can lead to more turnovers. But I love his composure. Um, I think after the game, you know, I feel like uh, – you know, his post game, he's kind of, I'm not going to call it getting drilled or anything of that nature, but, you know, they kind of had that. This is the first game that your staff really wasn't that great. You know, yeah. I, how do you feel about that? And I think he uh, took on those questions with confidence, um, you know, definitely kept his head up. He, he, you know, spoke to himself that, you know, I am in a little bit of pain, but that doesn't matter. You know, no excuses. Um, I feel like I am a good player. I'm a great player and I'm going to continue to work and grow. And I feel like he just, you know, approached that were really strong confidence, which I'll, you know, that you need to see out your quarterback, you know, don't, you know, we won the game. So I'm not going to come up here with my head down. We won the game and, you know, let's press on, let's press forward and continue to grow and continue to work so we can have a good season. Yeah. I think people forget this was just his third start ever in college football. I uh, number, you know, and then one interception he threw, he just locked on to Jeremy Rucker coming off the line. I call that an arrow route where you kind of run like a little angle, basically, you're running basically toward the pylon, you know, from the right side of the field to the pylon. And, you know, I'm sure they've got a clever name for that. Uh, but I call it arrow just because it looks like an arrow. <laughs> but he was bound and determined just to throw that no matter what he saw, you know. And that, sometimes, you know, you get fixated on a deal that's worked really well in practice. But, you know, they had a hanging – as you old saying goes, they had a hanging chat out there that probably should have seen, but he – but he threw it anyway. And, threw it and, anyway. Yeah. and you learn, but those are lessons you've got to endure with a first time starting quarterback. I mean, that's just, and you're right. And uh, there's something definitely going on with his shoulder on his right, on his throwing arm. Um, well, it's the shoulder on your arm or is the shoulder on the shoulder, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there's definitely something going on with his shoulder on his throwing arm. And, uh, and he's, you know, clearly he's been wild high a few times, especially early in games. But he did settle down and throw, I think, some pretty good passes, especially yeah. late in that game. And the touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson, the pass he threw to Chris Olave, you know, that got called yeah. back. Yeah, called back, right, right. It's Another hard to believe, isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it hard to believe, Bryant, that officially Chris Olave had no catches on Saturday? <laughs> and they still scored. Yeah. yeah, they still scored 34 points with the offense. Uh, yeah. And of course, the defense had the run back by Kim Martinez. But I don't know – I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing to show that you can score 34 points and Chris Olave not catch a pass. What's your take on that? <laughs> well, I, I think before the season, I, I believe, you know, we kind of – everybody know that that our wide receiver core group was the, probably the most talented wide receiver core yeah. group I'm not country. ever a nation. You know, it's a pretty yeah. – you know, it's a pretty talented bunch. So, when, I feel like when things like that happen, it's just like, well – Today's not your day, but, you know, we're going to continue the, the score because we got other good guys. So, yeah. I feel like Coach Day, like, he doesn't have to make sure that Chris is in this spot and this lineup for this position so we can throw the ball here. Like, he could just pit his guys out there and know that he has a good player in each slot that could actually make a play. So, yeah. it's going to be days that guys don't have catches and things of that nature. I feel like if you – you know, if you're really studying the game for a wide receiver, sometimes the stats are not there. But if a guy's open, the guy's open. So 
we know that, you know, Chris, he's going to get open. You know, this that's this his talent. That's his skill set. That's his yeah. uh, niche for the game. So some days he goes out, he doesn't get a catch. But I don't think that was going to, you know, first of all, I don't think he'll have his head down, you know, because first of all, if we won the game and we score points, and he's an older guy, you know, he he understands, you know, but young as a younger guy, he used to make catches when some of the older guys that was going on in the draft didn't have such a big game. So I'm sure he understands. I'm sure there's no gripe on his end regarding things. I'm sure when it comes to the coaches, same thing. Like, hey, we missed a couple. You know, I, we had, you know, Chris had a drop uh, going into the red zone. Um, no big deal. You know, we yeah. the offense, you know, we still move forward to uh, – obviously yesterday was Henderson Day when it came to rushing. So, um, I think when you score 34 points against anybody, um, you know, you give yourself a really good chance to win the game. Um, so for Chris not to have a catch, obviously as fans, as fans of him, you know, we kind of like, oh, well, we'd love to see, you know, Chris catch another one or have one of another spectacular touchdown catches that he has. But I think as a team, you know, it doesn't really affect anyone. You know, you just kind of, yeah. hey, this, that's, that's, it just will for the woods this Saturday. We won the game. Let's continue to go on and get ready. Well, you know, Akron this week. So can get ready for Akron. And then maybe you'll catch a couple against Akron. So. Yeah, yeah, he might catch a couple of you know, the bottom line is uh, Tulsa coaches too, right? I mean, they saw him catch 12 passes against Oregon. If you're going to take away one thing, you know, you make it difficult for that guy, you know, yeah. all right, go to your B, C, and D guys. I mean, if if you think you're so high and mighty, you know, so deep in that wide receiver room. And, of course, my State eventually did that. And like you said, I, I think Chris – I'm, I'm just trying to remember my head. I think he was only targeted maybe three times in that game. Yeah, targeted. yeah, yeah. So, that's that's not about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not too many yeah. balls went his way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to ask you this though. You know, as as uh, as you're watching, for example, I got into a little bit of a you know argument's not the right term. I thought Tulsa was pretty good, not mm-hmm. great, but I thought they had some. I thought they did. I thought this was a great test for an Ohio State team coming off of the game it had the week before against Oregon because because Tulsa was multi multifaceted offensively the things they yeah. tried to do mm-hmm. so boom there's your test for your defense and then up for your defense and then defensively by Tulsa lined up in that three three five but they were as I, as I said earlier they're shooting bullets at at uh, CJ Stroud from all over the place you know they'd have three guys down but suddenly there's five guys rushing you know and coming from all different directions but also a good test for that offensive line right to you're pick right. that kind of stuff up. I mean, that was a worthy opponent. I mean, that, this was not a pushover kind of game, yeah. right? You agree, right? Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I believe – I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they said Tulsa made it to their conference championship game last year. Yeah. Um, you could tell that their quarterback <clears throat> definitely is a player, right? He has experience. You can see that. He sees the, uh, the field well. Um, he gets the ball to open guys. Pretty accurate thrower uh, before we got him moved. I mean, he, you know – Pretty accurate when he's just sitting in the pocket and he got a clean pocket. Um, now we did. I feel like overall on the defense, we did. You know, pretty much. You know, stop their running game early, and that kind of forced them to be a little bit more one-dimensional. Uh, but Tulsa definitely was a. You can see that they have the guys. Like you know, they they didn't have a really. I would I say a. I didn't see anyone that was like a um, superstar. That was just like just a disappear. Like he get the ball and he just gone type of guy. But they had a bunch of guys that, that knew how to play football. You could tell that they knew their spacing well. Yeah. They knew how to get open in the, in the zone. And they also had some bunches where they could kind of rub some rubs off of each other and get their, get themselves in some space. Yeah. Um, so you saw all that kind of stuff from them. So 
Um, Tulsa was definitely not a pushover. I think as a like once again a Ohio State fan, we figure you know we're supposed to score forty. Our defense is to hold them to ten. Um, type of deals, type of games. Um, but Tulsa, they they came to play. You can tell that they, that they they planned for the game. Um, they had a plan for it, and they stuck to it. And that it was a good plan. It was a solid plan. I think, especially with us stopping the run, I feel like that hindered them. They they kept trying. They kept trying to go with it to see if they could kind of you know get something going there. And we we did a great job at stopping it. Like I say, making them one dimensional. But they definitely had some guys. And when you run a defense like that. You know, you don't see it on a weekly basis. I think that's probably why they run it. Like most yeah. teams are not going to see this on a weekly basis. So yeah, when we practice what we do here, when it comes to the game, it's a good chance that the game speed of this will kind of shake things up and and, and kind of mix things up for the offensive line and their coverages, and we can kind of you know be able to disrupt the quarterback. And a couple of times they got home, right? You, you showed a bunch of blitzes. Eventually, sometimes, you know, an assignment gets missed or you just overload one side and we just don't have enough people and uh, and it gets through. But I think overall, we, as an offense, I feel like, you know, more than more times than not, we was able to get to the right people, get people going in the right direction and kind of get a hat on them. Um, just, unfortunately, so, you know, the game, you know, completion percentage-wise wasn't, the best there, but yeah. I feel like we did a great job, and that's one I brought up Penn State earlier because we know when we play Penn State, that's their bread and butter. They just like to mix things up as a defense, uh, send different type of pressures. They're sending safeties from you know ten yards at the snap, and they got crossing blisters and things of that nature. And it it kind of forces you to be sound. Like hey, yeah. if you got the Mike linebacker in his protection, you got to track them. And black might linebacker because he might line up here, but he might come from off the edge. So you got to track him. So this is definitely a good test to start getting ready for some of these for our Big Ten run here to make sure that we're ready um, and that when you know we see these blitzes coming from either uh, from even better guys that you know that you're still sound. You're, you're tracking your guys. You're tracking your man. You know this this the mics and this this is the strong linebacker. This is the wheel, and everybody know what guys are at. Yeah. You're blocking those gaps and kind of kind of giving yourself a chance. Yeah, I was gonna say, boy, it's not a simple game for a man to play, and it's not a, it's not a it's not a game for a squeamish man to play, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unreluctant man to play. Real mm-hmm. quickly before we get going, before we go, um, Trevion Henderson, number thirty-two, Jim Brown's number, mm-hmm. breaks Archie Griffin's record, uh, resoundingly breaks his record. There's a couple of breakaway runs that are pretty crazy. Uh, you as a former football player, you're a former now, right? And you're still trying to play no, yeah, football or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no, I want no problems. <laughs> well, what's it like to watch a guy explode onto the scene? Uh, you know, I've been telling everybody all along, this guy's got that wiggle to him, man, that sets the great ones apart. You could see it yesterday. Just yeah. just one little move here and it's boom. Uh mm-hmm. For for a former player to watch a guy like that, just what what's your take on him? I mean, I texted uh, Archie after the game was – or after he broke uh, Archie's record. And, uh, you know, Archie Griffin being Archie said he – he said he's going to – this guy's going to be spectacular. And uh, yeah. kind of already is. But what is it like to see a guy like that come along that's a little bit special, a little bit different? What You know what I mean? As a former yeah. player. You even see it, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think after that, after I mean before camp, everybody kind of talked about Henderson and like, you know, he's a he's a really good guy, he's gonna be a big play guy for Ohio State. So, you know, 
it's you know easy to say in practice, like you know, there's a, the coaches and players are there and they respect that. So you know, when Saturday comes, he get a chance, right? He, you know, due to practice, he actually gets a chance to play on Saturdays. And um, against Minnesota, you know, he had the screen pass. He took that the distance and uh, another great run. But essentially, you know, he just kind of had to run straight, though. You know, there was, was a lot of space yeah. and he got it. And he just got to show his speed and he would have to make that break, that big play. Yeah. Um, but this Saturday, you know, he actually had the rushing, right? So I believe his first big one, um, like you say, he ran to the right side. The Jones, it was, it was open as to see. Uh, you see Garrett Wilson kind of, he gets in there, he gets a, a, a block on like the strong side linebacker that kind of helps bring him, and he goes from there. But when he gets to the open field, that's when things get really special, right? That's yes. when you start seeing the, the hitches and things of that nature, as in the strength to hold these guys off. Because that was a strong run. I mean, a, a, a smaller guy would have most likely got ushered out of bounds around the 10 or 5-yard line, but he was able to hold his, hold off the defenders and then get into the end zone. And then some of those other runs, when you start thinking about uh, later on in the third quarter, some of the time, I mean, he was getting to the second level clean, but there was also clean guys there from Tulsa. But he gave him a move, and then he was able to go. Yeah. And, um, Crazy. It was, it was very special to see. I, I, I believe uh, when it, I was watching the broadcast with Fox, and they had just uh, – he had 190 yards, and they would have – the, the freshman record is 230 held by Archie Griffin. And then the very next play, he breaks the 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> he scores a touchdown. And so he, then he breaks the record. He has it at that point in time. And it's just like, you know, this guy is definitely special. He's definitely going to be a household name. Um, and uh, it was great. I believe we could kind of definitely mark this as being his breakout game when it comes to uh, him rushing and uh, making this huge plays for the offense and being that explosive back that you know that we was hearing about now we really getting to see it now on Saturdays and, and it's going to be fun you know I made this comment last week uh that uh you know what you'd like as a coach what I think what you like as a coach is for everybody to see you know to see it for themselves not necessarily ordained this guy is your number one running back live with it it's more of this guy's the number one running back. Did you see what he just did? You know what I mean? Right. Type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that does kind of clear the air for everybody, doesn't it? A, a game yeah. like that by him. You know, <laughs> exactly. you played the game. You know, yeah, you know I don't know right. if you were ever told to go sit down. Probably never were, <laughs> you know, but but it does mm-hmm. clear the air, doesn't it, on a team? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, a dominant performance like that um, definitely, you know, sits him, um, I'm not going to say above guys, but, you know, you like you say, you could see – what type of ability this guy has and what type of – what he could do with a leg, more or less. We yeah. To get him a leg, we get his uh, – we keep his feet clean, we get him going uh, north and south. You know, he he definitely has the ability to go the, go the whole way. Don't want to take anything from Teague, uh, Williams. Obviously, those guys are great backs as well. I think yeah. uh, Teague kind of got the rushing game going, right? Like, so yes. the second quarter, he's the one that kind of started, like, kind of, I would say, more or less building some confidence. Uh, for Coach Day to keep calling these run plays because he was, um, you know, doing things. He was getting yards. He was catching out the backfield. Like, hey, let's get the running backs going. And then Henderson gets it, and he's just, you know, at this time, I would say the more explosive athlete. So he's taking those same lanes, and then he's taking those, th- taking those the distance. So, um, you know, when it comes to running backs, especially, I guess, when you start looking at the professional level now, you know, it usually takes a couple guys. Like, you know, usually it's not a one-man show. Um, but what I would like to see out of Ohio State is let's get someone going first. You know, if it's Henderson, definitely let it be Henderson. Get him going. 
And then that'll just make things easier, right? That's yeah. going to make it easier for C.J. Stroud to uh, hit those big passes. If you got safeties creeping down and stop the run, more space on the back end to hit those big passes to Wilson and uh, Chris. Um, so definitely excited for the offense. I think um, we're going to tune up some things. Hopefully we have a good performance against Akron. We tune up some things, and then we just take that into the uh, into the Big Ten and then continue to run things from there. Is that the, is that the grandson? Yeah, that's my grandson. He's wandering around back here. He's like looking at pig, He's looking at the shrine I have made for him right behind me. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, was the grandpa nice of the year last year. I don't know if you say that back there, but uh, no, you're exactly right, Brian. I mean, hey, let me ask one last thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with that. Master T, would you say he was the tenderizer for the brisket? I mean, no, I'm just messing. <laughs> hey, uh, we're we're. I think that's a good mix between. I call it the fatigue package when he goes in there because he kind of beats on people. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, he's he's. So you get he's to right trivia right in there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, real quick before you go, I wanted to give you another plug here. Uh, why did you guys get into the barbecue business? Was it always in your blood growing up? I know. They're east side of Cleveland, east of Cleveland and stuff. There's some pretty good joints because I've eaten at them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chimdy's from the south or, you know, Florida. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure Florida's the south. It's like this <laughs> other thing. But why did you and Chimdy just kind of get into this business? You got a couple other friends there, what uh, DeAndre Martin and Mike Johnson, y'all went into, yeah. into business with. But mm-hmm. who's got the uh, – who's got the meat thumb for one of another term, you know, that <laughs> found this intriguing? Yeah, so yeah, we could go, yeah, so definitely our story uh, as the pit barbecue grill. So uh, me and like you say, my other partners, Mike Johnson. Now me and Mike Johnson been knowing each other. We went to we was in the sixth grade together, so we went through six, seven, eight together, ninth through twelfth together at Glenville High School. So I've been knowing yeah. him a long time now, right? That's yeah. uh, I came in was that I don't know twenty over twenty years now, right? We've been knowing yeah. Mike. Um, so me and him, very good friends. He actually went to uh, school at Franklin, so he came down to Columbus. Even at the console, we me and him teams to be close. Um, uh, we met DeAndre while I was in college, so we've been knowing him for over 10 plus years now. And obviously, me and Chimdy, we was uh, roommates in college, so me and him always was really good friends. And so, uh, once we was playing football, you know, me and Chimdy was fortunate enough to go to the next level. Chim had a much better career in the field than I did. I was kind of just bouncing around. Yeah. Uh, but when we was kind of coming towards the end, you know, we all figured we was coming back to Columbus. And, you know, we wanted to just do something as a partnership. We wanted to do something um, as a business. And we felt that that was kind of needed in the Columbus market and kind of grow off of that. And we all fell onto the uh, taste of barbecue. Uh, like you said, on the east side of Cleveland, we have those kind of mom and pop joints that we uh, are very accustomed to. And um, and Tim, uh, obviously being from, he grew up in New Orleans, being from yeah. Florida, he understood what barbecue was. But before we opened up a restaurant, we took him to Cleveland. Like, hey, look, this is all the, the, the kind of, this is kind of barbecue we want to bring to the Columbus market. And we went to some of the spots that we grew up eating. And uh, so then from there, it was like, okay, well, how are we going to make this work? So we we got with our, 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 um, our parents, grandparents, aunties, and we kind of came up with the who has the best recipe for macaroni and cheese, who has the best recipe for uh, candy yams, for baked beans, and uh, who has the great, great um, breakdown for um, for rub for barbecue and, and things of that nature. And we literally, we gained a lot of weight during that time. We was eating a lot. It was like, <laughs> okay, this is good. Can we make it, uh, you know, on a daily basis? And that's kind of how we kind of start the niche and built up our, our, our menu from there. 
Um, everything we make in our restaurant from scratch, we make our barbecue sauce from scratch, all our sides are made from scratch. When our mac and cheese, we actually have people, you know, our employees that had to shred cheese to kind of get some of the cheeses ready for our mac and cheese. So um, we wow. we take a lot of pride into our food. You know, we, yeah. we wanted everything to be good, we wanted everything to be quality. Um, and uh, we, we feel like we're, we're doing that. Um, I think most most people, that, when they eat our food, you know, you can taste our quality is there. It's not just, um, you know, because yeah. some people in that size, like you could buy that stuff, you know, you, you can buy it out of a can, beans, and that you yeah. just heat up and you serve it to people. But, you know, you know, we, we kind of go through the process of actually trying to make things right because we want to, first off, the food was handed down to us in love, you know, for, like I say, from grandparents and aunts and, and moms and, and, and everyone of that nature. Um, so that's how we want our customers to feel, that they taste our quality it tastes that there was a, you know, someone actually went through the process of making this right and presented it to them so they can enjoy our food. So it's been going well, a lot of great support here in the Columbus market. Um, and, you know, we're very grateful. And I especially, actually, actually this past couple of year with everything that's going on with pandemic, everything, we've been getting a lot of uh, love and support. So we just, uh, we're very grateful and continue to, and hope to continue to grow in the Columbus market. Yeah. It's not like being in business for yourself. And then there's nothing like being in business for yourself. It's something you really love. Right. I mean, that's yeah. the cool thing. And by the way, you know, your greens and cornbread. I mean, you know, I grew up in East Texas. Well, I was born and raised in Alabama and then we moved to East Texas. And, you know, there's a barbecue joint on almost every corner in the town I grew up in. Brisket. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur of brisket. I think y'all's brisket is excellent. I had it once. I'm gonna have it a lot more. It's not, you're not, you don't, you're not really just right around the corner from me. You know what I mean? But I, I've gotten there. And uh, but the greens and cornbread, you know, that's what keeps me coming back, <laughs> and uh, will keep me coming back. But uh, yes, it's just yes. cool, you know, just to see some guys uh, rise and find another way after football is over. You know, to uh, keep competing because it is restaurant <laughs> business is more is more competitive than the NFL. Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, especially in Columbus. I mean, there's just a lot of great places to eat. Yeah. Um, especially when you start looking at from neighborhood to neighborhood or suburb to suburb, or you know, just a lot of great places to eat. You know, we have great malls that have great restaurants, and you got these little pockets where you know you have great great food and things of that nature and you know you got your pockets off downtown and uh, uh short north and all that kind of stuff so it's yeah. definitely a competitive market um but you know i think we're up for the challenge uh like i said i i, I put my food up next to anybody's food you know yeah. you know so if you if you got mac and cheese i put my mac and cheese up against anybody's mac and cheese you know i think our quality is there the flavor is there um so for the people out there if you're watching this come check us out uh, I know I'm biased, but you know, come check us out, and and, uh, and I, I stand by by our food and come enjoy it with us. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, all I know is, man, it's good that you named it. Y'all named the place after you. BBQ instead of CCQ. <laughs> like Timmy Checker. Everybody be going, what the heck is CCQ? Uh, Brown, Brown and Q, man. That's what it is. Hey, Brian, man. Thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast, man. I appreciate having you on, man. We're going to do it some more, right? All right, yeah, for sure. This is fun. Thanks for and, having me. And folks, check him out on Spectrum, man. After some, on some of these post game shows, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's excellent. It's gonna get even better. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I just love you guys. You kind of keep your, you know, it's funny about Ohio State football is a lot of guys show up and they play and they leave town and maybe try themselves in the NFL, but they end up back in the Columbus area or <laughs> stay in this, you know, or keep their roots. They grow some roots while they're here, right? And you yeah, did, Jim huh? you know. Y'all grew roots yeah. here. What, what is the attraction of the Columbus area? You know, it's, it's just great people. Um, I feel like um, if you start off any conversation with that you as a Buckeye, I think that kind of at least kind of sparked somebody's attention a little bit. Yeah. Um, because it's just great people. I mean, we, we everyone around here wants to see people do well. Um, they can help you in any way. They're more than willing to do that and help you with anything else and – and, you know, if you ask for it and they know it, they kind of, you know, they share it with you from there. It's a, a great area, a growing area. Obviously, we all love Ohio State football and the university and, and being close to that and kind of still being able to come together. And uh, when the season kicks off, you know, a lot of guys are coming back to town. Then you can, you know, see these guys and, you know, just kind of reflect on the times that you spent together and what we used to do when we was playing and how we used to get ready for a game or, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. laugh about the coaches. You know, the something that Coach Tressel used to say, or uh, something Coach Haycock or uh, Coach Bowles used to say, things of that nature. So it was always a great time. Um, I think the guys that that has come back here um, after school, or you know, like I say, you know, leaving the city. I think, I think we all. I, I have heard no one say they moved to Columbus and like, you know what, this is not working out for me. I'm about to move elsewhere or you know yeah. go back yeah. to their home. You know, everybody comes because it's, it's just love, and you know, you kind of really feel that when you're you know, you're around in uh, different communities or wherever you at, or um, you know, it's just love and a lot ton of support. So yeah. I think we all love it here. Columbus is a great city, and I think we all see the potential in the, in the city and how it continues to grow, growing the right way. And uh, so yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> two million metro, two million population metro area. You ought to be able to get some kind of business going, you know, with that many people around to sell something too. But uh, yeah. hey, Brian Browning, man, once again, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. <laughs> hey, awesome. It is. It's great to have these former Buckeyes, man, to to draw on and uh, you know, for one of another term, draw some wisdom from, you know, when you're sitting out there and you're watching a game and like you and I are, we're always watching with a critical eye, you know, I think a very objective eye on what we're seeing, what we're not seeing, et cetera. And, uh, but these guys, you know, like Brian Browning, they've been through this before, you know, they understand you don't just snap your fingers and you've got a team uh, from a chemistry standpoint or anything else. And it's pretty obvious to everybody, as we talked about in our rapid reaction after the game the other night, this is a young team 
that in some ways might be getting even younger. You know, I'm talking about on guys they may be playing headed yeah. forward in, in the lineups, especially on defense. And uh, I think that kind of that kind of jumps out at you more than anything else, doesn't it, coming out of that game uh, against Tulsa? Yeah, that and wondering why we're not just doing this show at Pit Barbecue Grill. But um, got to work on that one. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I wrote it. I said it the other night. Like the fact that they've played all these people, and yet Cam Martinez in the first two games wasn't somebody that they tried, and then he instantly goes out there, and makes an impact, gets his hand on on the football a couple times. Once he keeps and takes it back to the house, another deflects for Ronnie Hickman to get an interception. Yeah. I mean, the guy, like, I understand the way that coaching works. And and 90% of the time when we have these situations, you go through it and you say, well, the veterans know the scheme. They know the expectation. The coaching staff understands what they're going to get out of the people. That's why they play the veteran people. Also, the veteran people are four and five stars themselves. Um, and that makes sense. But for whatever reason – you know, this team has not played with the kind of energy um, with some of the veterans that you expect. You know, looking at, you know, well, Zach Harrison was hurt. He wasn't out there. That's not one. You know, Taraja Mitchell was hurt. Maybe he's been banged up for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, Cam Brown didn't play in the opener. Um, all those things are, are more injury-related than production concerns. But when you get to this point and you're trying to find solutions, well, Cam Martinez presented one. They were had no choice. Denzel Burke is clearly – uh, a top cornerback on this team, JT Tuimolau and Jack Sawyer. Um, Jack Sawyer is not playing quite as much as JTT, but I, I turned to you a couple times in the press box on Saturdays. Like, I think that's Jack Sawyer again, like drew, a, I think two holding penalties or maybe could have drawn two and, and could have yet more. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but those two guys, you know, sometimes that's, we, we wear out that old, you know, John Cooper expression, but if this is a situation for Ohio state where, they know what the issues are, and sometimes the only way you can fix it is to just let those young guys uh, play with the energy and the excitement and the passion and then accept some of the growing pains. And yeah. you don't know how long they're going to last, but you have no choice unless you let them do it. Yeah, that bromide by John Cooper is, if a dog's going to bite you, he's going to bite you as a pup. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, you and I talked, we've talked about this many times. I don't mean to keep reminding people that we've talked about it before, like we're geniuses, but you know, I, I think maybe you are. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's best, like with Travion Henderson, for example, let the whole world see, you know, let, let there be no doubt who is, who wants to be, and who isn't, you know. Right. And yeah. uh, that way, no one can be sitting around in a locker room or in a pub. You could still call them pubs in a yeah. grill <laughs> with an E. No one can be sitting around going, oh, you know what? I think the other guy's better. Well, you know, now the whole world has seen Denzel Burke is for real. Ken Martinez was going in there uh, on basically nickel, for one of another uh, term, nickel coverage. He's really in there when they were putting trips to, you know, to one side or the other. Uh, and, and, and then some other surefire passing downs with a man-to-man bent. He was covering people man-to-man. We saw it bite them uh, on that flipped, uh, on that flipped bunch, bunch formation, which yeah. – uh, they were able to hit for a touchdown when he got caught up in the wash where they should have switched off he and the other defender. You know, that'll be ironed out this week. But there's no doubt the effort that was there from Cam Martinez, and I think everybody else is on the field. Bryson Shaw looks like a different player when he's in a two-deep safety situation. I mean, he was hitting people. <laughs> you know, not 
chasing him. He was hitting people. Uh, they've hit on, pardon the pun, they've hit on something with this yeah. two deep safety. Like we, you and I were talking about this time a week ago, you know, uh, uh, Ronnie Hickman putting him back there in the backside uh, uh, a lot of times in that two deep safety. That, that seemed obvious to me and you. Now it's happened. I think they're sticking with it, you know, and uh, you're right. And then on the, on the up front, no doubt about it, JT Tuimoloal has a high rev motor. Not that he's making these huge plays yet, but he's getting his hands on the ball. He's, he's getting yeah. pressure. Jack Sawyer, the grin he just has on his face every day he's leaving the practice field when we get to see them, you know, it's obvious. He, he's champing at the bit, ready to go. And uh, sometimes, like I said, you go with your veterans to begin with, because they kind of deserve it. Number two, you know, you want the whole world to see, including them, who is and who isn't ready to play. And that's where I think this team, that's the juncture this team has faced now. And now it can, pardon the pun again, cut the dogs loose against Akron. Ohio State's a 50-point favorite in this game. Probably should be bigger, except people are still scratching their head about that uh, Tulsa game. You know, how can you be bigger than a 50-point favorite? Who's even going to bet that? But – (laughs) <laughs> I think you agree, right? I think I think they've come to that crossroads. They've already taken the road they're going to take, and now it's about getting the uh, – I'll just stick with the analogy, getting the car up to speed. Yeah, you know, and I think that – Anyway, we're talking about the defense right now, and, and of course, Travion Henderson. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I hadn't peeked at the script because you know uh, where I was going to go with this. And... Oh, no, I want you to go there. I'm just letting people know that up to this point, that's what I was referring to. Now, go ahead. And if you're – and if you're thinking about Ohio State covering 53, 55, whatever the number winds up being, you're banking on them being able to throw the football. And this, when it comes to a decision-making process, quarterback is different than the rest of the roster, and I fully understand that. And I get any hesitation that that Ryan Day may have about opening up uh, the opportunity to sit in that pub or at the grill or in the locker room and say, wow, I was really impressed with Kyle McCord. Maybe – Maybe they got that decision wrong. Um, well, Wait a minute. they might be sitting to Ohio Union doing that. Now go ahead. Anywhere, and I understand that fully, and that you treat the quarterback position differently, especially when you're trying to manage, uh, you know, now four of them being very talented in one room. But this is not a matter of C.J. Stroud's production. We know that he was chosen for a reason. Was the leader throughout, has verified his toughness, no question, with what he's dealing with in his shoulder and his willingness to go play in these games and defend his spot and, and battle with his teammates. But if you're not fully healthy and they keep saying CJ Stroud, Ryan day, others. And, you know, I I've had plenty of conversations about this to understand what is being dealt with healthy enough to play in a game and healthy enough to play your best are not the same. And if the race was as close as they were, as we were led to believe, which I never, there was never any doubt that Stroud was going to be the guy. But that, not in your mind, well, that's for that's for sure. And and you convinced me. But go ahead now. Yeah, you know, but let's let's just say that it was tighter, which, you know, they wanted to keep the competition going and bring along these other guys. I don't think that the margin was ever so dramatic that you couldn't. And I said this as well, even when I said C.J. Stroud was going to win the job, that Jack Miller or Kyle McCord. Both had the ability uh, to lead this team to a Big Ten championship. I have not changed my mind about that. I thought C.J. Stroud had the highest ceiling for this team right now, but that is a healthy C.J. Stroud, and he is not. He's not healthy. 
and that's affecting Ohio State's entire offense. It's the most important player on the field. So I know that he's also a first-time starter, and that he's only played three games, and so Ryan Day wants him to get a bunch of reps. He doesn't want to have a conversation about, well, who should you really start against Rutgers? Again, this is a matter of health. And, mm-hmm. and if C.J. Stroud is going to be dealing with this for any time period, maybe – I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if a week of rest fixes it. I don't know if it requires surgery. That's, a, that's something that I do not know. But I can't see how it's helping Ohio State now or in the long term for this season to not have had Kyle McCord take a single snap through three games. I think he has to play against Akron. I'm, I don't know if he has to start against Akron or play the entire game, but some, something has to be different to help this team in the long run because they could win with you or I throwing the football against Akron. That's, that's not an issue. But this, the reps here on Saturday do matter, in my opinion. You know what? In the day, I was pretty damn accurate. Couldn't throw the ball more than about are. couldn't throw the ball more than about forty or forty-five yards. But I was pretty damn accurate. PDA uh, number two. This is what bugs me about this whole question about CJ Stroud and that right shoulder is he looks wild high. He looks and all of a sudden he puts balls right on the money. He throws the ball deep right on the money. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, that that ball to uh, Chris Olave down the middle. I'm not sure what happened there. It looked to me like he threw a post cut and Chris Olave just kept bending the route. You know, there are all kinds of things that conspired to make you look funny on one particular play. Uh, and then that throw his touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson, right corner of the end zone. That ball was right on the money, like nice zip, et cetera. Yes. So I'm perplexed by what is going on there. You know, we all know he took a trip to the tent <laughs> uh, at one point in the game, came back out. But uh, what goes on the in the tent? Stays in the tent, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, moving forward, yeah, that's a good question because I'm telling you, you know, once again, they showed the depth of the offensive line. There, Munford, you know, goes out of that game. It's interesting. He was back on the sidelines late in the game, you know, but obviously not in pads and stuff because I saw him on the video replay. Uh, yeah. But the bottom line is Matt Jones, who you and I both noticed that one day in practice when he seemed forlorn that maybe – the, the blocking hills had been established and he wasn't one of them. Uh, I thought he went in and blocked like a blocking hill, you know, thought <laughs> he good. was number 55 looked really good in, in, in a lot of respects. Dewan Jones, he had, he, uh, he had a few interesting plays against that weird uh, defense that uh, Tulsa was throwing at them. Some indecisive indecisiveness say that three times. Uh, but I thought for the most part, he mashed people I mean, I thought the offensive line played up to snuff. And, of course, we all know who the number one running back is now. All of America knows that. And uh, and we know who the top receivers are, even though Chris Olave, for the first time, I think, as a Buckeye, at least in games he's played, he didn't get a catch, right? I mean, well, since, uh, since that, that Michigan State game, right, but in, in his freshman year. when Yeah, so 31, 30 or 31 straight games he'd had a catch. Yeah, came, like that. Out of no, came out of nowhere then and never looked back. And Yeah, yeah. but so – if you're going to play another quarterback, it's definitely going to be this week, you know, and I know, you know, how Nick Saban looks at that, taking anything, assuming anything until you get victory is rat poison. Now I understand his thinking there, but when you're a 50 point favorite, you've got to at least be going in with this contingency plan that your number two quarterback, whoever it is, because he's never said who it is, is going to play some Saturday. If not, maybe not a lot of the way agreed. I mean, if there's something wrong there, 
with C.J. Stroud, let him rest it. You know, that's yeah. the best way to do it. But but it's such a peculiar thing because we watched him that one day and they're throwing those deep balls and he's not throwing, he's not throwing. It's when the Big, Big Ten Network was in town and he's not throwing, he's not throwing. And all of a sudden he jumps in there and throws two right down the, right down the field, two of the prettiest balls you ever saw. So like 60 yards. I, I don't I – think- I don't get it. I think that's the part, Tim, that that as I sit here and think about it, that has me thinking about the high throws and the inconsistency. Is it look, if you're not at your physical best, you may be able to get close a lot of the time, yeah. but not every time. And if that thing just shoots pain through your arm, yeah, and you might back off one throw, or you know, the yes. one when people asked about, you know, the miss against Oregon, I think that was one with pressure in his face and he was off, you know, off platform plus, you know, not being at full strip, you know, full speed. When people are asking you or I this uh, on Twitter or social media, anywhere in person or in those pubs, well, if he's not healthy, why not play the other guy? Like I can't answer that because that's Ryan day's decision. I know what the thinking is and why they're trending this way. I've seen you and I both been in in situations where we've seen, uh, coaches say, well, this this is we, – we knew going in the fourth series, second quarter, we're going to let that other guy get some reps. Yeah. I just think – I think it's – you obviously win the game first. You don't want to have to deal with quarterback controversy questions. You don't want there to be uncertainty about who the lead of your team is and all that, I get. But we've also seen other other talented quarterbacks, young quarterbacks and coaches say, well, the reps are important and, and the future. So – you can't say throughout spring, throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, remember 2014, needed all three quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to need them all to get through this season and then not do anything on Saturdays to make sure that you have some security there. This is the – I've known Ryan Day now long enough to you know, see how this all works and, and understand the way his mind processes these things about as well as anybody from the outside can. I'm not in it. But – this is the first time that I, I look at it and the decision he's making with the quarterbacks doesn't quite uh, mesh with the explanations that he's been given yeah. or why, or why he's talking about it. And I, I, I think this week, something's got to be different. Yeah. I don't think he's putting a guy out there though. that He thinks is in jeopardy. I mean, I just right. don't, I don't get that. I, that. That makes no sense in all kinds of ways you think about it. So I think he's thinking he's been assured that that's not a jeopardy situation, whatever it is. I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, well, when you play football, you're in jeopardy. So that's kind of a stupid <laughs> point for me to make. Just ask Thayer Munford. Uh, who, who are you most – no, who do you expect to see more of? And don't give me the obvious, Travion Henderson. And by the way, uh, real quick, and this is just a quick aside, all right? Mayan Williams goes from being your number one back to supposedly having to miss one practice because of some kind of ailment or something, to not playing. Uh, I don't think he ever played, right, uh, at least as running back on Saturday. I remember one time I looked down, there was a support guy with his arm around him uh, while the, the offense was huddling to go back on the field, and he was really talking to him, consoling him almost, it looked like, et cetera. That, I really didn't get that on Saturday. I didn't understand. Master Tick the third was – the other back. And I understand that. I mean, you know, short yardage, beat on a team, Master Teague the third's my man, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, wow, I, when they make decisions, I guess they make them big time, you know. So, uh, 
we'll see where that one goes. But who, just give me a quick answer here with a short uh, Austin Ward, Austin Ward uh, standards explanation. Who is one guy that you expect to see more of based on what you saw the first three weeks, but especially this past Saturday? Well, I think, I think it has to be Cameron Martinez, and we, we touched on him already. I think Cody Simon is getting – I said that. one guy. I said – didn't I say one guy? But I'll let you go, go ahead and talk I about thought, Cody Simon. You still I haven't thought, talked about my guy yet. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought Cameron Martinez was too obvious since we already talked about him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> that's – yeah. you know, buy myself a little extra time to squeeze in. But, Co- you know, Cody Simon um, – look – he has not played perfectly. He's not made every tackle. He's not had every assignment. That's correct. There are a lot of assignments that are on his plate for the very first time. And when you look at what they have physically and how important it will be moving forward um, at that yeah. second level yeah. against both the run and the pass, they need to find some stability at linebacker. And, you know, Taraja Mitchell was not healthy enough to really help them on Saturday. Uh, you know, and that's, that's part of the deal. Um, if that helps Cody Simon get more reps and responsibility during this couple-week stretch before going to Rutgers, uh, I think that might wind up being a really positive thing because physically he's the most impressive linebacker they have. Yep. Alongside Craig Young, who I'm going to throw in another bonus. I just have to. The looks that we saw with Craig Young being either at the line of scrimmage or dropping 40 yards back, he that's, that's some of the creativity and versatility that was missing. Yeah, And that that's supposed to be what – those hybrid defenders can do so Craig Young you know yeah Kayvon Pope even like those linebackers that's all that's all where I'm looking right now because this is still a game where they're gonna you know Ohio State should be looking to sh- post a shutout on against Akron and those linebackers you, will be key to part of that I asked you for one you end up giving me four maybe even five you might have stuck an extra name in there I'm trying to even remember because he got jumbled but I appreciate you and your uh, prolificness uh prolificity if you know that's a word. I'll tell you a guy I've got my eye on, and not just because he made one sack, but I went back and watched the video. Tyleek Williams, man, uh, uh, that guy found ways to get in the to get in the offensive backfield repeatedly yeah. from inside, and there was no mistaking the energy he brought to that front when he was in there. I think we're going to see more of that man when Larry Johnson, Coach Larry Johnson, gives you a big hug coming off the field. You know, you've done something. Yeah. You have gotten – you have put yourself in his mind, you know. So, I think you're going to see more of that young man. I really was impressed by him. And going back to Cody Simon, yeah, they, they still got some work to do on that blitz package in terms of they blitzed – what? How many times did they blitz on Saturday? Maybe 15, maybe 20? Uh, Way more than they had been. Yes. Well, yeah, that's about 15 more than they did against Oregon or so. <laughs> but you see where I'm going with that. But, you, you know – the more times you do something, the better you get at it. The better you get at avoiding that cut block, the bane of any of any linebacker's existence. Why that's still allowed in modern college football, when in fact you barely graze a guy's head with your hand and it's a penalty, but you can still <laughs> cut block a man is crazy to me. I don't understand it. Uh, but uh, the the better they get, he and even Tommy Eichenberg, I thought played pretty well on Saturday for the most part. But Cody Simon. I agree 100%. There's a guy who keeps showing up in that last frame I keep telling you about. I mean, uh, the effort is there. Uh, the more confidence he gets, I think the better he's going to get. And uh, and I'll go back to this again. Uh, like, like you and I quipped on Saturday, 
Um, Travion Henderson was the freshman of the week in the Big Ten and also the offensive player of the week. Both deserved three touchdowns, 277 yards, breaking Archie Griffin's uh, single-game freshman rushing record at Ohio State. Uh, but Ohio State has some guys in line. They could have the freshman of the week because they've had it the first three weeks. They could have the freshman of the week for the next several weeks in the Big Ten and be a different guy, right? The fact that you get to count redshirt freshmen in that? Yeah. I mean, so crazy. Denzel Burke should be winning one at some point. Cameron Martinez can be winning one. JT Tuimalau, uh, Jack Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Travion Henderson. At yep. some point, you know that you know, maybe this week, Marvin Harrison or Emeka Egbuka uh, shake loose. You got options. Every, Tyleek Williams that you just brought up, they have options everywhere to win that award for the foreseeable future. And hey, it's the youth movement. They're growing. And this is the part that you and Spencer said on Saturday that I agree with, you know, thinking about it now. You know, they will take that. They will get one more opportunity this week. It is uncomfortable maybe to, to be seeing so much youth in key positions for Ohio State, but those are the uncomfortable moments that I think Randy probably knew that they were going to have to get through yeah. uh, to maybe tap into that potential down the road, and um, it's never going to look pretty the whole time you're doing that. But That's why I know. said, man, you almost got to divorce yourself from what you're seeing now to a little bit and think about if they keep playing these guys, what it could look like in November, you know, because yeah, right. yep. these guys are talented. There is no doubt about it, you know, no doubt about it. Hey, awesome. Uh one last thing, uh, Penn State up to what, uh, up to sixth in one of the polls, up to eight in the other poll, six in the AP poll, eight in the coaches poll. You got to watch that game just like I did. You know, they've had two impressive wins, in my opinion, at Wisconsin to open the season. As ugly as it was, they still won the game. And yeah. then against Auburn, that was kind of ugly in its own right, but uh, they scored enough points to beat a team from the vaunted SEC West. Uh, <laughs> You got to admit they're a little bit of the, and I, you know, Michigan State's not a surprise to me because they revamped their whole team. It's like, you know, it's like they went to the waiver wire and picked up all these guys that could still play football. But uh, those are probably the two biggest surprises in the Big Ten this year, aren't they? Up to this point. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Iowa is yeah, well, far more dangerous than I expected that they would be. Uh, now you're prone when you play their style of football to getting into some ugly rock fights that, that hurt you. Um, so we'll see how long that's sustainable for them. You know, we'll, it's been amusing a little bit to listen to the way Penn State's offense has talked about and this Mike Yurcich impact when yeah. that's still an offense that I don't think really should scare anybody um, with limitations at quarterback, in my opinion. But these are the games – Wisconsin and Auburn, the way that they were played, that James Franklin typically finds a way to throw away with yes. his own in-game coaching. And that hasn't happened. So if I'm going to be critical of that, then I'm going to be fair and say he's done a good job managing that to this point. And, and I would like nothing more than late October for the horseshoe to be rocking. You know, the fans want a non-Akron primetime game. I don't know who's got the first right of refusal on that weekend for kickoffs, but – I want to see big games here. I don't like it when the atmosphere is sucked out of the horseshoe and, you know, I'm wandering around confused about what I saw for rapid reaction and all that. I, I want to see big games. I, I missed it. I want to have, I want to have some fun. Yeah. You had that post apocalyptic look about you when we were doing that uh, rapid reaction the other night. You're exactly I'm okay right. now. I'm dude, okay. Dude, it is crazy to think that if, if this week's crowd follows last week's crowd, 
how few people might be there, except I think the heat had a little bit to do with it. But it's nuts where they've gone with their ticket plans and everything that has turned so many people or soured so many people in one form or fashion, who then also have the built-in excuse of the heat and the uh, pandemic or the COVID-19 situation. Uh, they've got some work to do uh, on the administrative side. And I told you, and I, I've told other people who would be involved in the ticketing process, I say, you know, you have your plan, you know what the revenue is you want. You got to scrap that this week. Yeah. You say, if you've never been to the horseshoe before, because of the, this problem, that problem, the expense, 20 bucks, 10 bucks. I, I don't know. Yeah. Make it Buckeye Nation. You know, it's Gene Smith should be saying, we need you back. You know, we understand that, that we've been through COVID. We had issues with week one. It was hot last week. We lost the Oregon game. We need the home field advantage. Maybe you, could throw, gonna, maybe, you could throw, maybe you could throw an oops in there also. You know what I mean? Oops. Yeah. You know, that please, can, oops please, covers please a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just think how far that would go. I mean, oh. otherwise, why else would you want to go see, you know, this game at 730 when they're 55-point favorites? Like, I don't know, man. That Roman Coliseum was packed every time they opened it, I think. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the fix was in on that one. But I digress. They weren't playing high lie. Maybe they were playing high lie. <laughs> hey, awesome. We got to go, man. I appreciate it. You know that, brother. Hope yep. things are well with you, you know, as this goes on. We all have – Things we're dealing with. By the way, uh, my uh, we're Eagles Dare, our new uh, our new uh, scramble team. We won on Sunday at uh, this past Sunday at Whoa. Safari. So yeah, we're on a roll. And uh, man, watch out! Watch out oh, for the next! It. Watch out for the next great performer on the long driving uh, circuit, uh, Jake Ballard. I'm I'm going to be his manager, sponsor kind of dude, or manager, oh. director of personnel. What was the number on Sunday? Uh, I think we were. I think we ended up minus. 14, I think, or minus 12, but we had like three Eagles when they mattered most, including a chip, including a chip in by me that just happened to go in the hole. You know what I'm saying? You said your short game's on fire right now. Yeah. In Fuego, I think was the exact term I used, but anyway. <laughs> but until next week, ladies and gentlemen, for Awesome Ward, this is Tim May, Tim May Podcast. We will see you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.